All right, here we go. You're listening to the Revenue Real Hotline, one big-ass experiment about all things uncomfortable conversations and sales. There were a few first principles that I halfway remembered while designing the space, but really, anything goes. As your attorney, I'm obligated to remind you that anything does not, in fact, go, nor are you a practicing mental health professional. Probably should mention that. All opinions expressed therein are our own. Anyone following said opinions has questionable judgment at best, and this podcast is in no way intended to treat, cure, or care for any general maladies, global pandemics, pandemoniums, or the like. This podcast will very likely include ideas that are controversial, and as such, depending on where you sit and what your position is, may be slightly triggering. Before we get started, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors, without which none of this would be possible. Just kidding. Seriously, call me. Playing games with human beings lives here, Amy, and also generating an inordinate amount of paperwork for the legal department. Nobody ever listened to legal. I don't understand. They're like the one department you should listen to. Disclaimer. God, we're going to have, we need a disclaimer alarm. Karen! Business requires risk, Pete, and so we're, we're just going to figure it out. Uh, that seems like a totally legitimate plan to me. I'm your host, Amy Rahovchek, and welcome to my experience. Hello, listeners. I'm so excited you decided to stick around for another episode. Today, you are in for a treat. Day Kong is a young man that I worked with over the past year, and I'm not going to share any parts of our story, but this is a young kid. Um, He certainly doesn't have a flashy CEO title next to his name to put out there, and I'm glad about that. So Day and I go deep into our work together, which can be described as a a mentorship relationship, but it's really, this is about coaching. And this is about setting the bar high for what coaching can or should be, including how the coach thinks about talent. When we develop human beings, we also develop revenue producers. Development coaching is like you get you get both, right? It's not zero sum. And I think there's a lot of insights into what type of human being, what characteristics to look for when recruiting. Anyway, it is with great pleasure that I introduce for the very first time with his new blue Yeti microphone, Day Kong cracks the talent code. All right, so Day. Why don't you introduce yourself to the Revenue Real audience? Uh, hello there uh, to everyone listening. My name is Day Kong. I'm currently a, an enterprise SDR at a local company here in Seattle, Washington. It's a pleasure to be here. Yay. Okay. So, Day, why don't we start? Like, I, I, I'm going back and forth. Well, I guess full disclosure, audience, uh, this is the second time that we're recording this because the first time I tried to do it in like a new software. Anyway, and my audio was was, was bad. So Day is, is a kind, kind soul to uh, to do this again. That said, 
day since that recording, I've gone back and forth about whether or not to start our story at the end or start from the beginning. And I, I'm thinking that we should just start from the beginning. What do you I think? Would agree. I would agree with that, Amy. All right, I think perfect. that would set the baseline and some context to what we'll be discussing in terms of content. Perfect. Okay. So why don't you kick us off then? How, Day, how did you and I come to be acquainted? Yeah, absolutely. So let me just take a, a couple steps back here and give a little back story um, to my situation. I had joined my current company last year of March, the first day of work from home, uh, you know, once COVID hit and I had accepted a position as an enterprise SDR and they have started a brand new SDR program. And I was the first SDR hire. And um, gosh, previously they had outsourced the SDR function twice. And so it was quite the shift for the company, but I believe it was the right shift. I believed in the vision that they were going. But once I joined the company, situationally speaking, there was just so much that was lacking, <laughs> you know, in terms yeah. of benchmark uh, metrics, information. I mean, there was just nothing to go off of. Plus, in a brand new program in a in midst of COVID or in the beginning of COVID from working from home, it was kind of a tough situation. But how we came about, you know, in terms of our relationship, I was Day, in a situation. Can I, I'm sorry to interject. I just want to make sure that every the audience like got the full like impact of what you were describing. There was no manager uh, or there was no SDR manager. SDR manager. There was no SCR program. There was no onboarding. There were no playbooks. There was absolutely nothing. It was starting, creating something from nothing, which I think is admirable, in my opinion, on Day's part to pursue that given all the, the circumstances. But obviously you saw something, which is fantastic. But anyway, so please, please continue. Um, yeah, but I got to a point where I hit a huge wall <laughs> and I was just desperate for, I guess, expanding my sales playbook, uh, my knowledge and how to help them build a program, how to be able to create the metrics from out of nothing. And I was just in a situation where I was just desperate. Fear had started kicking in and I was just seeking help from everyone and anyone that was willing to help me and give me some advice so how many, yeah. so let's, let's, let's timeline this for everybody. How many months had you been at Adaptiva before you started to feel this way? And actually precursor just for everybody day had worked. This was his first role in tech sales, um, yes. but had done an SDR role and an, like an enterprise AE role prior to this for like four and a half years, something like that day. Uh, yeah, so actually two, uh, four years, so two years of uh, small and mid-market SDR, and then two years of full sales cycle outside sales role. And then I saw an opportunity to come back inside, to but come into to the tech. tech specs. Yeah, yes, okay. Okay, absolutely. so how many months were you, was it before that, that <laughs> fear and panic started to kick in? Uh, I would say three months. Okay. Uh, I think three months is when I started first calling I mean, there was so much in terms of like, diff we had to evaluate different, you know, sales enablement tools. We had to go through Salesforce and also training. So gosh, the third, the third month of my onboarding here, but. So I mean, what, what happened, what happened 
next. And I think that like the obvious connection here from the practical angle for, for listeners is, is obviously, you know, we're, we've all been there, right. When, when fear and panic starts to kick in and in those moments, we have a choice, um, about what to do or like not do specifically to do nothing or to, you know, retreat. That said, uh, you, you obviously chose exceptionally wisely, but why don't you walk us through, um, what you did in that moment and then, you know, how you and I connected. Yeah. So once I started my engagements, outreach to prospects, you know, uh, executing on my job, there was this unrealistic expectation from all the A's across the board. Like we're supposed to be flipping, you know, these discovery calls right off the bat. Wait, Anyways, you're, you're, you were, you were setting up meetings and, and handing no, off no, no, like no. leads and opportunities. Oh, okay. No, no, was, no, no. There, okay. Were, there was this unrealistic expectation from the AEs, like people who've never actually done uh, SDR work for us to just set meetings right away. But a whole month has gone by and I'm telling you zero connections, zero replies from emails, literally nothing. And that was not due to lack of activities. I, I mean, I hustled and I was just working like 10, 12 hours a day trying to figure out the program to build out these sequences, to be able to put and consolidate these messagings and be able to understand like how to best reach out to our prospects within our space. And we are in the niche of niche of niche of all, of all niches. Like, I don't think anyone who came to the company understood what that meant until they were working in our environment. But, okay, so Dave, so talk about like, but what? In, but so back to the panic, right? Moment and uh -huh. and fear. What did you do specifically? Walk our listeners through what the actions of someone that you know was absolutely committed to leveling up despite all the factors. Uh, so early on, and I think I kind of learned this from my music background you know we had a one-on-one -on -one sessions there was a lot of mentorship coaching relationship you know style style there but i just knew i had to seek help i just don't know they say if you want something you should ask something from people who have what you want right and i needed to seek sales leaders sales professionals who knew what they were doing who had credibility in what they were doing i was searching people online i was looking into different online sales community forums and i was posting questions and these were very very specific questions at the time oh, just everywhere all over the place people were uh fairly responsive some some channel in some community yeah people were more responsive in some communities than others but I just seeked help and I was just asking for help for anyone who's willing to give me the time of the day. And I just took their nuggets as just, I just accepted it and then I tried it. And, but how our relationship came about is yeah. uh, I think at the time you were overseeing one of the channels at sales hacker yeah, and you so noticed yeah. So this was the summer, right? So I was doing, mm -hmm. I was doing the AE channel and also building, so founding member there, but in the sales hacker community. So shout out to, uh, to my girl, Mary Green, that, that is doing big oh, yes. things, but anyway, so also right. Establishing the channel director program simultaneously, but anyway, so you're right. I was, I was deep in, in sales hacker land at that point. Yes you noticed all my posts in and across different channels. And you just saw, I think, 
and this I think I might be assuming here, but I think you just saw how active I was, but also maybe got a sense of my desperation. I don't know, but <laughs> at some point,、um, eventually, you know, when they say the student is ready to teach your peers, that was our moment. You reached out to me, and I was so confused. I was like, why is this? Woman Amy and I look at your profile. I was like, "Oh my gosh, why is she reaching out to me?" Like, thank you for reaching out to me. I accepted. And、uh, you said you had some stuff you wanted to try in terms of like sales education, some different tactics you wanted to just try out, and you were looking for a guinea pig at the time. <laughs> was that? And、really、I was like,、that? I was, and I was like, yes, yes, do yes, I will try anything at this point. And that's kind of our relationship started. Yay! Okay, so from my perspective, I was looking at your your posts, and obviously the activity right there was was stood out. But I I I think we can talk about this like in a little bit later. But it was the writing, right? So the actual way that you were posing questions, I just it was very、oh. apparent that there was some some skill development work to be done, which is a great、yeah. thing. Uh, and I think I, <laughs> the first time we recorded this, I disclosed that I, you know, I, my gosh, I I tested out of math in college, but I was in remedial writing for the first year in college, and and carried through to my you know early thirties that I was a bad writer, and so like I have a lot of empathy, and even when you speak with teachers, they'll they'll tell you how difficult teaching writing is. But anyway, so there was that, but also you were a highly engaged、uh, member. Of the community, and I was trying to suss out or understand, you know, the value angle,、uh, the value delivered to our our members, and so that I think was the probably the initial reason for the the outreach, but also、yes. pro- also probably to get more context about maybe one or two of your questions and then answer it,、um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is. Uh, something I would advise everyone that is giving answers in communities to make sure that you ask some little follow-up questions, just to make sure that it's aligned with the, let's say, spirit of the question.、Um, but anyway, so then we get on the phone for the first time, and、yeah. you told me about what was going on, right? Which、mm-hmm. is, I, you know, we started with a Kickstarter question for anyone that's familiar with the coaching habit, which is, you know, just a very open-ended way to. Listen and set the conversation up for、uh, max connection and understanding and trust. So that said, then I heard everything that was going on, and I realized that not only were you a high value member, an engaged member that is like persona. I would ICP or whatever for a community, right? This is what we're looking for, exactly. Someone that's not just you know engaging, but grow- the growth of engagement events、um, is trending up. But when we when we connected, I realized that you didn't have. Not that it wasn't about what you didn't have. It was that if we proceeded with like a. a I you know how I feel about like mentor mentee labels, but if we proceeded with the M relationship, that I wouldn't be one asking you to do double work, right? So if somebody's got、mm, a yes, you know, a one on one and a pipeline review or what whatever a weekly cadence and you know all all the things, right? Inputting, you know, tracking all the things that we do. And then we're doing something different, you know, over on the side with with someone like me, which you know we'll get into. 
uh, that's double work. And so that is always something that I'm cognizant of. And I realized that it, you just presented like a perfect storm of circumstances <laughs> as well as being like the, you know, I, like I suspected at that moment that you were also the type of human to not just do it, but do it exceptionally. Again, this is something that gets mm. proven out, but I, I did have those that was the vibe I was getting. What about, so what, what was the first conversation like for you? Well, the first conversation, um, I think if I remember, you did have some follow-up questions to just kind of better understand my context on why I'm asking these questions. And as you said, once you understood the perfect storm, the situation, I think that's when you had a thought of testing out some of your new coaching strategies, new methods, um, however you want to spin it, your style, if you will, your own personal style of selling and engagement, which by the way, there's none other like it, which I just absolutely love when we'll get into that here soon, but you needed a guinea pig. And then I think you started qualifying me, Amy. <laughs> like, is this guy like the right candidate to try some of my methods to, you know, my uh, ideas? You didn't like, I can't, like, I know we talked about it already. So you have like insider information. However, I think what Day is trying to say, everyone, is that I don't just dive into a relationship like this. Um, I'm very selective and I, but I'm open to everyone and everything at the, you know, I'll take that first meeting 30 minutes all day, every day, whatever. But what I do after that first meeting is I generally will toss out like a laundry list of things to do with no time yes. period assigned to it, right? But the, the, mm -hmm. the handoff is, okay, so go do these things. And when you're done or when you're close to being done, then we'll schedule the next meeting and we'll go from there. Yeah, that, that's how I remember it. Yes, you gave me like two reading assignments, two books to read. <laughs> Um, and it, it was, it was the, uh, give and take by Adam Grant. And the other one was obstacle is the way by, uh, by Ryan holiday. Oh, that sounded, no, that, that's, uh, that author. sounds about yeah. right. That's the, that's the title yeah. I'm about to tattoo on my forearm. So yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Not only that, you gave me some, you get, you like forwarded some bunch of writing blocks for me to like, for me to read through and just. Ooh, to better understand development um, really so we, we got yeah, right yeah, into yeah, that yeah. first one yeah uh, and and i know you mentioned writing and i think so, maybe some sales professionals out there might be a little bit confused but the way you explain it to me is like we live in this digital age and everything is communicated through text which in essence is writing and uh you know, we had to kind of get away from this huge sales lingo and just make a shift. Gosh, I mean, you just opened my eyes. Okay. It was yeah. fantastic. I, I did the, yeah. I did the homework. I reached out and then. And we got started. That's how it's. Yeah. And we got started. And we get, so Dave, when you said that my methodology is like, unlike anything. So really everyone, what, what I do that's a little bit different is we work on fundamentals and we work on like, think about building blocks that are aspects of doing the job of, you know, outreach. And depending on the scenario, really, what, whichever role in the revenue 
realm that we're talking about, this can apply or be applied. However, we work on fundamentals, but we work on fundamentals in a way that is incremental, which means that we we have some some very real deep practice iterating right week over week. And so day with that, like, why don't we talk about the tracker? And actually, I will say, so the tracker audience, just so we know, it's just a Google sheet, right? So let's not get crazy. However, I believe, yep. uh, I, I love spreadsheets more, more, and I, I can't believe I just admitted that in a, you know, socialized setting. <laughs> However, it, it's very pretty, right? The, they look pretty. And so the tracker is, again, just a Google sheet, which costs nothing. And I'm looking at days now, and it's broken down by week, which is, you know, sometimes depending on the person or depending on how we do it, sometimes it's a day where we're tracking things, but day you, you definitely, the week cadence was perfect. And the tracker goes for about 13 weeks, right? And the weeks are set up in each mm -hmm. column. And so the week has an actuals, right? This is the actual numbers or conversion rates, depending on what row it is. And then it was the, the target for the following week. And down in the first column in rows, there are things to measure, starting with, you know, number of yes. new prospects identified. And then the final one is meeting conversion rates, right? So this is the conversion from outreach to um, meeting conducted. And we build them in incrementally. So I'm looking at this finished spreadsheet. However, when Day and I first started, there was probably only like one or two rows and, mm -hmm. and the link yeah. to the document, just so everybody knows, or the sheet is going to be in the show notes. So if you just scroll down, it could be right there and you can see what, what Day and I um, are, are talking about. Okay. So Day, that said, what was it like when, uh, when we first introed the tracker into our relationship? Oh, oh my gosh, Amy, it, it blew my mind because... Previously, you know, I had walked into companies where they had their sales environment figured out. They had metrics and they had a proper onboarding, a refresh specific, and it was just kind of like go and do, right? Kind of this method of like my oldest mindset of like, act, you know, more activities will drive results. And that was kind of the school of thought that was taught to me. But when I was in my situation here in a brand new program, no SDR manager, no metrics, no nothing to go off of. And we had to create from brand new. You, what you taught me was to start thinking in terms of conversions rather than volume of activities, right? Like we're not some mindless human beings just clicking away and sending emails and blah, blah, blah. Like you really challenged and stretched my thinking to start approaching the market in a completely different way and to engage with prospects from honestly from their point of view and not all about me 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 uh, and look what I'm trying to sell and that was probably the first big shift <laughs> and well, for us to create yeah. metrics from the beginning I mean before you showed me this, like I was kind of in this situation where I was like, do I even really know sales? Like what has these last four years been about? Like I was just like questioning everything I know. Yeah. You just opened my eyes to a whole new level of 
professionalism of, I mean, I don't know how you say it, it's just a whole new level of what it takes to be a seller, you know, in this crazy world of information age that we live in. <laughs> it was refreshing. It was new energy. And I was just pumped to learn. And the, the work paid off for sure. So the first row in the tracker, it's number of new prospects identified. But I'm remembering that we, we worked on messaging pretty hard. We worked on messaging pretty, yeah, first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but I, I, I want to just point out with the number of new prospects identified, what you described as being like a different and divergent or way of operating as a seller, like hear me clearly, friends, this is the way that it should be. We in, in tech sales specifically, it's, I, you know, and I'm very like, I'm no longer interested in, in diagnosing how we got to this point or, you know, having philosophical, theoretical conversations about it. Um, at, you know, now it's just about what are we going to do now? Not just do, but like, what is the actual problem that we're looking for? And then let's practice or test with mm -hmm. different ways to solve it. One of the biggest things that had struck me as being like really just illogical, right? To put it nicely is that we are going to give to the newest or youngest or most inexperienced members of, of our team, right? The SDRs, we're going to give them, mm -hmm. well, one, the hardest part of the job, right? So right off the bat, but also think about the idea of like throwing shit against the wall versus like highly yeah. targeted, like laser focus on nailing something. The equivalent here, or the reason that right. I use that analogy is because if the activity volume on number of new, new leads identified is like, you know, a hundred a week or 200 a week or whatever, it doesn't take long to get to like a, to a thousand, 2000, right? So in that first two months and the chances of, again, a younger inexperienced, like being able to navigate through that volume of crap and also like focus in on the core competencies that we're looking to establish at that point is zero, zero. What ends up playing out is the reverse is, is actually true. When we re reduce that number of, again, that, that activity number, just for the sake of having a, having one um, and start to focus on instead the skills required and to both understand and to execute, right? Start by failing, right? And then failing a little bit better and then doing more. That is how we progress. That's how we learn. But I will say, Day, what really blew me away when you and I were doing this is that the aspects of what we were working on week over week, once I realized that you were able to handle two books at one time and reading all these blogs, like it was, I, I was not easy on you. Would you agree with that? Oh, <laughs> Amy, you were so tough. <laughs> I, you were, you were blunt and you were very direct. And I mean, this is sales, right? We're performance based profession and we have to deliver results. There's just no way around it. So connect that and to you blunt. You were very yeah. real with connect, me. Okay. So that's good. I like real and I can do blunt. God knows I've heard them all, but how does being blunt or applying some radical candor, how does that relate to coaching and or receiving feedback? 
Well, or what did I mean, it feel just, like? Because I got news for you, Dave. Well, like I, <laughs> there are plenty of people that do not stick with like something like this, and and that's okay, right? That is okay. However, you were exceptional in your ability to receive feedback and incorporate it and level mm-hmm. up in like multiple realms as we st- proceeded throughout 13 week period. Right. You know, I think for me, personally speaking, I've always been an avid learner. I've always loved learning. I've always hated school, but I've always loved learning. And I've always been a reader, you know, before you and I even met. So I understood, you know, the aspects of coaching and that, you know, the feedbacks I get, there's meant to be constructive. And I was in a situation where I just could not play patty cake. I needed someone who was real to tell me like, okay, what I'm doing is nonsense or what I'm doing is right or what, and the changes that I need to make, like we're sales professionals. We have to deliver results. I'm like four, three, three and a half, four months into this thing. And they're expecting calls right away. I mean, like what? Come on. So the pain of not performing, of not producing, of not doing what you said you were going to do was greater than the pain of staring in the mirror of truth, which is something my my lady friends will know all about. It's one of those magnified mirrors that you put your makeup on with. And it's like you wake up first thing in the morning and, and there you are, 40, 40x magnification. But anyway, the mirror of truth is scary. And you know, if it's if we are struggling with a makeup analogy, we could talk about, you know, Michael Jackson and you know, man in the mirror. But again, people, human beings have two options when staring in the mirror of truth. Mm. They can lean into it, right? Take ownership of their current state and or whatever. And or they can exit stage left and no longer have to look in the mirror of truth. And I think, and I don't mean that as a a dig at all. Like, frankly, it's, I prefer it that way because it's one of the things that makes this profession so special. Those that stay with it and elevate their own ability to operate through discomfort. Now that said, Day, I'm looking at this tracker spreadsheet here. And so week one, you know, row eight says reply conversions. So if I'm remembering correctly, we opted to start with the communication channel of LinkedIn, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and it was like new prospects identified, LinkedIn messages, and so that's an event count. LinkedIn messages and connections sent, event count. Connection accepts, event count. Replies, event count, right? So I don't, a number of jabs, right? Which is a, a variation of, of, Gary Vaynerchuk's old book, uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook, which is an excellent one. But anyway, so that was an event count. And we didn't start with conversions until like row seven. Um, but anyway, you were you went from zero in week one of being able to get someone to reply to you on LinkedIn mm-hmm, right. to 40% of messages sent to getting a reply, right? Which is the start of a relationship. This is how we we um, open up opportunities that are not cold, which is a far better way to do it than cold. 
Um, but but it's right. warm. But anyway, so you converted. You were converting forty percent of of each D like DM in week six. That's a month and a half. And it, if we take it out even further, you were week. What'd you say? Week five. Week five. Okay, so I did something. I um. I made a separate copy so that we can share it. So uh, yeah, I got to look into that. Week five, my apologies. And you were, so like even the conversion rate above that was getting people to um, accept your connection request. You were at 74% of connection requests accepted, which obviously included an initial message. Um, it says week seven yes. on mine, but or do you see a different one? Yeah. Okay. So week seven, week seven. Yep. you you hit 60% in week six. I mean, and so listeners, you can see the progress from week over week and like all the way through to, so you got to 74% of connection requests accepted from cold, highly targeted buyers. And then the number of actual um, messages that converted into meetings. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at 33% by week nine. Yep. That's what it shows them. 30, yep, 33% so listen, by week listen nine. to that, both listeners as sellers and also sales leaders. Think of all the effort and talk about onboarding, right? How do we get somebody? Day was converting 33% of LinkedIn DMs into meetings by week nine. I mean, Dave, do you have any idea how exceptional that is? I can't. Well, well, yes and no. I think, I mean, I'm, I think I'm beginning to start to realize it now, <laughs> but I mean, I just did what you taught me, what you told me to do, and I just did it. So, but just for the listeners yeah. out there, week one, I mean, <laughs> week one, as you can see, number of LinkedIn messages or no, excuse me, number of LinkedIn connections sent. I sent 13 with the connection uh, with the yeah, connection conversion of 15% to by week seven, where I was sending out about uh, about 60 with the conversion rate of 74, uh, eventually to converted meeting to 33. That's so let's where we started. So let's yeah, you were you were starting at a dead stop. <laughs> and yeah, and I think even like if we want to be real particular in week one. We, we started with messaging. So I don't even think, I, I mean, I don't remember at this point, but, um, and I didn't add the target for the following week until our third week, which means we were just getting into the habit of just working through like the activity numbers on a consistent level. And so like, even that yeah. was one thing that was very intentional because I wanted to reduce the anxiety that you or you know all other humans generally feel at this point which is feeling like you're going to disappoint me really if the target isn't hit and that is just something that I don't we don't even deal with that until week 3 like we'll give you a two weeks stay and then then you can uh <laughs> uh, then, then we could start to really twist the 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 screw in but anyway so why don't we talk about what that twisting of the screw in felt like you know with the context that once we got into the flow, if we, if we didn't hit the targets that were set by, I believe it was you, but you know, early in, once you got into the flow, we repeated the week until those lessons were learned. And there were only two weeks to your credit that we had to do that. 
but like, what did that feel like to have the intensity increase systematically the entire time? And I'll even say like, there's an exponential aspect to what, what we were increasing because every week that you demonstrated an ability to operate through a like all aspects of not being good at it yet, or like, oh, whatever, fill in the blanks. It, once you, you know, demonstrated the ability to deal with that and not just deal with it, but thrive despite of it, I, I kept putting more stuff um, into, the, into the pot on a weekly basis to learn over the course of that week. And still right. like, okay, so now that's it. But what did that feel like? Well, you know, just to be clear, I was also doing this and learning a whole new approach and method on top of while still having to show activities for my leadership. So right? let's, yeah. So, so let's talk about that then, because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Like I want, I'd, I'd like for the listeners to have an understanding of um, what you mean by that for their own context purposes. You know, early on, just based on you know, their experience as well. And just to be clear, they come from a whole different generation of selling, you know, 20th century selling, not the 21st century selling. Tech sales. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, for some reason, and, you know, at the time I agreed with them too, they just wanted to see high level of activities. Like I could not back off on my number of calls and emails, even though we were getting zero connections. I had to, I still had to execute on those while still going through all of this. And it was scary because I, it, this was completely new. It was an unknown territory. And it was, I, I had to let go of everything I knew. And I had to just put my complete faith and trust in you, which was, which was on, honestly, that was hard. And I don't know. I don't know why, but I just kept faith. I trusted you. I listened. I did what you said, and I didn't try to put my own spin on it. I just did exactly what you taught me, and I'm, and I'm so glad. And I'm so glad. So, like, I'm gonna push that back that on that a little bit because, like, I'm looking at the numbers, and like, there, other than those two weeks, I'm sure where whatever the primary thing we were working on, like, you know, like, and just to be clear, everyone listening, there. As we, as I added on today's plate, week over week, the baseline activity numbers that were established in weeks prior, right, that started to build on one another, including the conversion rates, like those were still mm -hmm. expected, right? So we did. Yeah. But that said, it wasn't like you went from fifteen percent in week one to of conversions for. Um, like DM, like LinkedIn connection requests to 29% in, in week two. And then it, it continues like that. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is at some point, I, I mean, trust is, so this is about trust. Like trust is like people generally think of it in, as a two way, there are two aspects to it. It's the trust that we have in the other person, right? And that's the big one. Everybody thinks about that one. There's definitely an aspect a lesser spoken about aspect and, and acknowledged aspect of trust. And that is the trust that we have in ourselves. And then the third that you never hear mentioned is the trust in the collective, right? When people are working together, but even so day, like 
there wasn't when when we at the beginning yeah there there was a indiana jones moment of like step off the ledge and you know maybe <laughs> without like seeing knowing understanding like none of it and you know that is commendable however like when were the like when did it become less about blind trust and more about the results that you were getting for yourself I would say about, well, week two and three, when I saw people replying to my uh, connection request, I mean, that was more than I was getting through any other, you know, through any other means. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> it's not much. It's 9% reply rate, but you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. I'll yeah, take so we it. There's a big like, zero was, in the column, like number of was, replies yep. is zero. <laughs> Week two was 9%, week three was 9%, and it grew from there to 40% reply at six, at week six, and then two, and then above. But I mean, it was, it was such a small thing, but I was excited because, <laughs> and because I was getting replies. And just to be clear, you know, our AEs were also reaching out. There were, uh, and nobody else was getting responses. So the fact that I got anything, a bite, even whether it turned into a meeting or not, I was excited. And uh, that's when I realized, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not completely crazy, <laughs> if you want to say it that <laughs> yeah, way. Well, I, but... <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time I've heard the word crazy. Well, <laughs> but the reality is it's crazy in that it is not the it's not a part of the echo chamber or filter bubble that is Silicon Valley and the incessant chasing after unicorns, which is just like, it's, you know, the trickle down effects of that are, are, you know, not, not difficult to spot or understand. So that said, call it crazy, call me crazy. That's fine. I've heard plenty worse, but more importantly, it doesn't matter um, what we call it because we could just look at the results. Now that said, day you mentioned about like internally, and the AE starting to reach out and everyone starting to take notice. I I'd like to, I'd like to kind of, if you don't mind, just pivot to. I mean, well, I want to pivot to the conversation that we had in February when we did our catch up, just conversation, friend to friend, and all the amazing shit that you shared with me about like what's happened since we had last spoken. Yeah. And then, but I also wanted to touch on like just one more run at what it felt like to have the discomfort. Um, like there was never a period in, in this 13 weeks where the discomfort and the stretching aspect of the skill development exercises, the deep practice that we were doing, it, it never stopped. And in fact, even though you were growing, I was still adding more discomfort in it. So like the level of yeah. discomfort that you were feeling never subsided at all. And that's a consistent, like that you stayed with it for 13 weeks without, like, I, I didn't have a position of authority, which John Maxwell, you know, the expert on all things leadership says is the lowest, yeah, lowest form of leadership, right? Positional authority. Positional leader. So I didn't have a position to yield, to get you to do things or make you do anything or else like you're going to lose your job. But that said, you stayed with it. 
And like, like I, I'd really like for you just to talk to the listeners at, about what that felt like. And, you know, did, were, was there ever a point where you thought maybe this is too hard and or, you know, did it anyway, or did that thought never come up? So again, what, what did it feel like? And then second part of the question. Well, what did it feel like? Um, gosh, I mean, it was just a lot to handle. I mean, what it felt like was just an incredible amount of pressure because not only was the SDR program brand new, but so was the marketing team. And everyone in that position had been in the role less than a year as well. So there was still, in terms of top of the funnel activities for the company, it was all brand new. But what it felt like was just an incredible amount of pressure with some honestly unrealistic expectations uh, for some immediate results. Wait, wait. Because are, I had come Jay, into I'm, this I'm role. I'm sorry to pause you. Like you're talking about specifically on the job, right? Not in our scenario. Oh, I'm going to lead into oh, that. Okay. Here. Okay. So, but yeah, there, I, I just want to clarify, you didn't feel any unexpected or um, what was worthy? Well, whatever, just continue. I'll shut up. Yeah. Um, and there's this incredible, you know, amount of pressure uh, for like this immediate results, unrealistic pressure. And um, when you and I started, like, to your point, there was no obligation. And I, w- I, w- I was just so puzzled. It's like, why would she just invest some and well, really give so much of her time to really a complete stranger. And I just felt grateful. I felt so grateful. I don't care if the pressure was up there because I had to win. I just had to win. Like I had to win. I signed a contract. I said, I'm just going to deliver on certain amount of performance. I had to win. I had to show results and I didn't care what the work was. I don't care what the workload was or what the learning curve or how steep the learning curve was. I just wanted to win. So I just pushed through. And I think what I loved about our relationship was you didn't lord like performance over me. You created such a space of positivity and just encouragement and you did focus on, I guess, the right aspects of coaching and skill development, if you will. And it gave me some reassurance, like this is this is the relationship I need to pursue and continue to pursue and be able to learn from. Was it hard? Oh, it was extremely hard. It was it, it was it was absolutely hard. I mean, I was working 10, 12 hours a day. I was doing things that I was taking on workload that was not my job but nobody else in the company could offer value or insights if you will surprisingly uh, which is kind of just weird to say but well it's not really because that's what a filter bubble is that's what an echo chamber is it's a recycling of ideas that may or may not have been relevant um, at some point and it, it's a lack of one outside influence in a way that like levels up or brings in different disciplines or new ideas. And, and so in the absence of those things, 
you know, that's what we get. And more, more insultingly, the idea that like one, that talent is a scarcity thing or that like the accountability for cultivating talent is not on uh, the leadership you know, and I, I think I've, I've mentioned this all the time, but like the Miller Hyman, the talent report that they did about, I don't know, like two years ago at this point, that 80% of sales leaders are over 80% feels like they do not have the talent on their current team to do what needs to be done. And so mm. there's like, those are all the reasons why what, what you said about the lack of I don't want to say understanding, but just they, there was understanding. It was just a different version. It was a, just not our version where yes. like the greatness that, of, that this profession truly is and how it should be. But like, let's talk about the happy, not happy ending, but why don't we fast forward to some of the cool things that happened internally um, once you oh, started yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. you know, show up as you all the fat and all your fabulousness, but also as a subject matter expert in a very short period of time. And then of course, I want to talk about the conversation that we had in February, because you asked about why is this person investing time in me? Okay. So, but anyway, well, one at a time. So to, let's talk about inside at Abdeptiva and the, you know, seat at the table that you're diligence and hard work and trust and hard work and hard work and practice and failing brought you again in a very short period of time. Yeah. I mean, the mindset shift you had taught me really to be givers, right? Giver leaders and not giver doormats. And to be able to translate some of the skill sets, right, to our prospects and to be able to translate that to some of our internal conversations and to be able to slowly change their mind like hey it's not just about activities like i'm learning that it's we need to think more in terms of precision uh, and focus on increasing our conversion and, and it's not just about our product and our features and our our yeah. brand and our story it's you know right and if you want to really target you know fortune 500 company there is some groundwork to be laid and honestly once I started getting these replied replies, you know, once my reply conversion started showing, I showed them the tracker, I showed them the results and the engagements I was having on LinkedIn. And you know what? They, they were, I guess maybe they're, I don't know if they were, I think they were surprised because everyone else was sending out LinkedIn messages. Everyone else was sending, you know, calling and emailing and nobody in the company was getting anything. And it, they finally took a moment and stepped back and started asking me questions. And I just told them what you taught me, a different approach of, you know, approaching prospects. It's not even about our product. It's not even about our features and benefits. It's, you know, it's like, how can we serve the prospect? And to be able to connect with the prospect first to maybe put us in position for engagement. I mean, it, the tracker also showed results and, you know, progressive results. And I think that's when they started to maybe start listening to me. And then once I would start flipping calls, I mean, I asked for permission to like, let's let go of this notion that we need to have a certain level of activities and they agreed. 
Um, the relationships I built cross departments was just phenomenal. Now I have like one of the best relationships I've had with my, my, our marketing team on a weekly basis. We meet uh, and we just review and we collaborate and we come up with a plan, you know, for the next week on how we can just be better aligned. And, and it allowed me to just maybe, it allowed me to kind of bring our sales team a little bit together, I suppose, and just to think differently. And they were open to it once I was showing results because previously they, I don't, they, they didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't they, know if that really answers yeah, your well, question. You but. have an organization that is outsourcing lead gen in two separate Twice. instances. Yeah, like that suggests a certain level of value, you know, for better or worse. You know, we don't generally outsource the thing that we believe is important or great or that we love doing. So everything that you just said, like, well, one, I got the chills, but two, you you were able to accomplish that when the baseline, when the starting point was, you know, or there's a case to be made that the starting point was, we don't necessarily value maybe the non-technical, which is a, I, I despise categorizing a group of humans by something that they're not. So non-lawyers, non-tech, like, no, no, thank you. But product and engineering leadership or as founders is more often the case than like a go-to-market leader. I think, you know, Ryan Walsh is a perfect exception of, you know, <laughs> of that, which is obviously the episode right before this. But um, yeah, and you did, you were able to fundamentally alter the perception about sales and about outreach and about mm -hmm. like engaging with prospects and buyers. Being so young, and also with like executives I, and like, and so it's, okay. So it's amazing. Actually, you're reminding me, remember when you went on uh, five on Friday and Francois oh, yeah. was like calling you a prodigy. Do you remember that? I, I do. And I hope I can live up to the name. I oh really my God. do. Well, it's funny. But... Do you remember, like, so that was, I think November and I saw the, the thread in LinkedIn um, cause Francois is famously known for, you know, LinkedIn is like one big party, which is so true. But uh, I, I was bantering on the thread, like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like Q4 isn't even done yet. Like, I'm not ready to, you know, <laughs> sign off on Prodigy before like the results come in and we see how we land. <laughs> and then of course, obviously, you know, it was a beautiful thing. And so I, I, I put my vote in for, you know, Prodigy Day, but really, and you, you were a prodigy in the sense that you felt the fear and did it anyway, oh my consistently gosh. at a like a, a just obscene rate. But like, so tell me about the call in February. Like, let's put like when when we called to catch up, friend to friend. Like, tell tell the audience what you told me. Well, I mean, basically everything that you and I had discussed in terms of what we hope to accomplish, it was all falling into place. I mean, our teams were better aligned. There was more collaboration between the AEs and ESDRs, more openness, if you will. I mean, I was winning. I was winning. I was flipping calls. That's not, well, oh, so gosh. yeah, all this is well and good, but that's not where you started. You started with. About to be debt free. Debt -free and the money debt -free, that you were making yeah. because you were Yes. Winning. 
Yes, I'm only, I mean, I started with 45, well, not this last year, but overall I had about $45,000 in debt. And uh, honestly, I paid a large substantial of that more recently <laughs> because I was winning. I'm only seven grand away. I just cannot be, I cannot wait to be debt free and just have all that going to the bank. And uh, like I said, like the fear, the pressure, I did it anyways. It, it was hard, but it paid off. It paid off. And that is what I think one of the best things about this profession that there is a causation, right? It's not even a correlation, right? It is a causation. When we go through that discomfort, when we consistently level up and continue to learn and be curious and open and collaborative and remember, like imagine a, a hyphen in between, remember that we're supposed to show up for one another, including our buyers, that we get paid for doing so. And yeah. it is like when I think about economic participation and barring access to economic participation, you know, which is a thing globally, and it's one of the tactics, right, to preserve existing power structures that, you know, just has new faces on it, but it's still, I mean, 97% of venture capital, like last year went to white men, 97%. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a thing. And I wish I knew that before I went to San Francisco right off my own acquisition, but I... <laughs> I, I love looking at like sales for the culture, anyone that's working on like feeder programs to introduce human beings into this profession, this high earning profession, and obviously privilege and discrimination and harm, a disproportionate amount of harm are still very real things that we need to, you know, work on together, starting with, you know, conversations that are uncomfortable, hint, hint, hint. Um, but even right now, even in the current state, this profession rewards those who do it anyway. And I think that that is excellent. And I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I am honored to have been a part of your journey. I I know that you had spoken about like on when we did this the first time that it was like a part of you wanted to perform for me. And it's funny because that comes up often. Oh, yes. Well, that, yes, that yes. comes up often in mentorship relationships with me. And it's funny because, you know, my go-to line in those moments is to chuckle a little bit and, you know, silly rabbit, I'm proud of you right now. And I was proud of you right now. And you, you, you on the other podcast were. asked about- yes. The joy, ah, silly rabbits. I'm proud of you right now. And then you had spoken about paying it forward. Like, how can I ever thank you? But the reality is you already are in that you're helping others. You are helping your peers and paying it forward. One, not only does that cement your own learnings, right? That's the base of the learning pyramid. 90% of what we learn mm -hmm. is retained when we teach others, which is why peer-to-peer -peer weekly sales meetings are like the go-to move for me. Um, but also you're already, you know, putting these ideas and these principles, these divergent ideas and principles, which are really just, you know, a return to first principles into circulation and that 
I like nothing brings me more gratitude and joy to see that, to feel it. And, and, and now like to have you come onto this podcast and like tell everybody about it, like all of our silliness, like that is exceptional. And I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited that you're um, so close to being out of debt. I'm so excited that you now have these foundations, these fundamental building blocks, fundamentals, the fundamentals of selling that and creating something from nothing that are, you are, you're going to be able to transfer those into anything that you choose to do going forward. And again, I, I just could not be more excited for you. And I'm, I'm glad for our profession to know that there's another voice like you at such a young age that is only going to continue to amplify. And oh my God, like look out Thank future. You. Here we come. I mean, Amy, I don't, I, I could, I would not be here without you. And I think what I really love and appreciate about you is that you did create such a space. You fostered an environment of just learning, growth, positivity, encouragement, and you focused so much more. Yes, there was an intense level of skill development, but you also focused intensely on the human aspect of our relationship, right? I mean, you know, a lot of salespeople talk about, you know, rapport building and connecting, but I think little did I know, I approached that as more of a check mark, right? And through all this, I did find joy in the process, you know, that what now that I'm winning, like I reflect and go back and it's like, you know, there was a lot of joy in this whole learning curve. And, um, Yay, and for you to teach me to pay it forward. Yeah, for you to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, all right, Dave. Yeah, so I mean, like, as it's prospects are people too. Isn't that funny? Prospects, buyers, your, your team are not cogs in a wheel. They are human beings deserving of yeah, an equal yeah, yeah. amount of respect, period, end of story, hard stop. Okay. So Dave, last one, like piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. about uncomfortable conversations. Hmm. Like including like ask for help or what, whatever, pick, there's so many here that we covered, but if you had to say one piece of advice about how to think about uncomfortable conversations, what would that be? Think about how you can add value to others and not what you can take or get from it. Sales is more and more I'm learning just a human business. We cannot, we cannot, you know, elevate if we don't serve each other. I mean, business I'm learning is just really a means, a vehicle for us to really serve each other. Yeah, be human out there. Be grateful for what you have and just go win. Success starts with the man in the mirror, as you said. Yay. I think we're going to listen to receive. Sorry. Yeah, receive coaching, criticism, feedback, whatever it is, receive it as is with a gratitude, you know, with a grateful heart and go execute because at the end of the day, the, the biggest gap is the difference between knowing and doing. If you want to get the full benefit, the blessings of what our profession has to offer, just go do it anyways, yeah. uh, build relationships and just go do it anyways and pay it forward. So, yeah. Pay it forward. It's so funny. Um, well, whatever. I'm not going to stop that. That was excellent. And thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Dave, for 
for coming on the show, obviously, and for sharing with, with everybody in the Revenue Real audience. So thank you. And for being vulnerable enough to allow me to like, you know, share your spreadsheet with everybody, like whoever wants it, you know, how to find us. Um, <laughs> and that's big too. And, you know, just for, for being you. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you so much, Amy. And to our listeners, truth, love, and joy, friends, happy selling. Man, that was heavy, but necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around virtues that we as humans can, can build a sturdy foundation on. I heard words like trust. I heard words like action. I heard words like consistency. And, uh, I think this is important, you know, but I, I also live in the real world, right? Where I trust that the action Amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is going to be pissed. Karen! This podcast will very likely include ideas that are controversial and as such, depending on where you sit and what your position is, may be slightly triggering. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in Legal. We are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff legal stuff if you like what you're hearing or are excited for like this shit show and where it's gonna go definitely follow us on you know whatever podcast device is your preference even though i I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-spotify but you know i guess i'll i'll come to terms with that sure we're helping all these people but did you did you feed the dog did you did you remember to feed the dog Is there going to be another Chinese food incident? Is there? Order the dog food, Amy. Order it. Chewy.com. Possible sponsor. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. But, like, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there. But I truly, truly appreciate anyone brave enough to, you know, listen in early. I don't know shit about sales, but as I understand it, she's pretty good with buyers and sponsorship partners. At least that's what I've been told. From Bernadette, Karen's sister in accounting. So if you're interested in supporting the cause, email Amy at Revenue Real. All right, friends. So the only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, like that's, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Come on. Yeah, call absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Amy can boss you around for a couple hours? Sounds like, yeah, please, by all means, call. Ru- ruin a perfectly good Sunday. 
I understand that I should do a better job of paying attention to the law and like filing paperwork, but we're fucking creating art here, Pete. Karen! Sure, drawing attention to mistakes is great and also necessary, but at the same time, we're talking about a woman who attempted to soften a pedicure with a belt sander in high school to the demise of her own person. Belt sander to the foot. That was a thing. That happened. Pete, I can't believe you just told everybody about the belt sander. I, I mean, can't we work them into it a little bit? I already disclosed that, like, nobody's made more mistakes than me, and that's why I got... Uh, no problem going first, but that one, that I feel like that's at least for season two, a, a disclosure. Same thing with the Chinese food. And it was only one time, okay, it was the chicken and broccoli, just the chicken with the white sauce and some white rice. <laughs> you know, like, what, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> Lola. Do you even know where Lola is? Has she been fed? I'll feed her. It's fine. Lola! There she is. Hi, Lola. Do you want a treat? Has your mommy pet you today? There is no nice way for a woman to yell like, Karen! There's such a thing as gender coding, also known as the double bind. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. Um, I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. Um, also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to the, them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them. And I bought my dog food at Target this week um, because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. As somebody who just came to terms with her own privilege this summer, I am in no position to judge. However, it's fucking real. Privilege is a thing. Intersectionality is a thing. And for Jesus' sake, can we stop fucking killing black people and pay black women? Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come, come sit up on my lap. So yeah, you find yourself sitting around with a couple minutes to spare. Go ahead and completely destroy your afternoon by accumulating somehow yet more work that you will not be paid for in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Call the hotline. Call the hotline. Let's call the hotline. But, you know, I'm, I'm still here to uh, help in any way I can, which is, I mean, does anybody need some weed? I mean, not for purchase, just like, to, you know, we, sharing is caring. Yeah, be, see, that take, take that, there you go. That's helping. Sharing is caring. It's legal in New Jersey now. Didn't you get a card? Yeah, but that's, let's not bring my mental health into this yet. Yeah, no, that's a whole, that's a season four teaser. Peter, are you telling me that you actually, you have emotions? It's not just a female trait? Shut up, Amy. We're not talking about this. I'm not wearing my big girl pants today, so I can't. I don't think I'm ready to talk about this. Maybe we can hold off on that until episode three. Wait, you're not ready to talk about the fact that you are a human being, therefore have feelings, despite your gender? I'm clearly not a human being. I'm a man. I'm a man! (laughs) (laughs) That you are, and you're certainly a fucking ally. Everybody, take notes. Sponsors, uh, on a personal note, 
Amy may cause problems down here in legal, but she will be more than happy to take your money and use it for a good cause and help people who are help more people. So, uh, pay that bitch. For anybody interested in cool things discussed by way of principles or books, let's look for them in the show notes. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah. Call the hotline. Call the hotline. Let's call the hotline. By all means, if you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. There's always the public review, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. (laughs) Man, yeah. I, you know, as annoying as it is, I have yet to figure out um, how to mind read, (laughs) not for lack of trying. So yeah, keep me posted. How now, brown cow? The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. The very best way to reach me right now would be LinkedIn. So good luck spelling the last name. Oh, man. So, yeah. I hope we all learned something. I feel like I learned something. I feel like I should stop and look around and wash my hands. And probably drink some water. Because, you know, Amy does have most of the answers. But did we feed the dog? So quick to tell some stories about the belt sander and feeding Lola Chinese food that one time. It was like that or nothing. Although, like, I would listen to you. Let's be serious. I buy, Pete. I buy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Revenue Real podcast. One big ass experiment about all things uncomfortable conversations in sales. I'm your host, Amy Rahovchek, and I hope you've enjoyed my conversational experience. That's a wrap. I can't, I can't, I can't. So this is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show. This is a pod about transparency and difficult conversations with everyone being so open and honest um i must be so here goes i'm sorry i apologize you know i i misled you intentionally i must confess that i am not a fucking attorney um i have not passed the bar exam in the state in which i live i uh, have never represented anyone well in anything let alone in a court of law but again these are difficult conversations that were Amy's having with with her guests and and I lied and I should tell you that I should be open and honest because you know we have been so we can all be better we can all do better together and now I'm just rambling at this point it's just who cares it's an outro right like this is just gonna fade into blackness like the Mars rover maybe a little bit less sad that was fucking sad oh let's not be that sad Come on, guys. We can do better.